This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel and Chocolates for Heroes. And it is, ladies and gentlemen, it is truly another beautiful day in the Jewish state. And uh, I want to start off this radio show, as I always do, saying thank you, thank you to the guys at America's Web Radio for bringing the truth of the Jewish state to the grassroots of the United States and beyond, and beyond, as uh, I get emails from listeners all around the world. It is amazing, 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 and a blessing to tell the story, uh, not a narrative, but a truth, that this country is number one in the world in technology, agriculture, and medicine. The vast amounts of humanitarian work that the Jewish state does around the world that I experienced firsthand while I was in Italy. While I was in Italy, that we were blessed to go and be the only media, the only media outlet, boots on the ground, telling this story of how the Israelis, the Jewish people, not the Muslims, not the Christians, but how the Jewish people were there in Italy helping the Italian people after a devastating earthquake about a month ago. I think it's been about a month now. So, uh, I want to say thank you to the guys at America's Web Radio. I get, I get excited. Jay's over here. Turn it down. Turn it down. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're, we're here to praise the, the people of Israel, not freak them out, you know? <laughs> so, thank you. Thank you to the guys at America's Web Radio. I also want to say thank you to everyone who listens to Insight to Israel, who watches our social media, who shares our videos, our posts, and uh, they have truly have an effect. And thank you for that. Thank you uh, for not just liking, for not just looking, but for sharing. And this is very important, folks. This is very key. Uh, we've had a website up for uh, some time now. And it's just a matter of me. I, I'm so covered up with work you can't even imagine. Uh, anyway, I won't go into all the details, but I'll say this. We've been blocked by Facebook for 30 days. Uh, somewhere someone was offended by something I posted, which was non-outlandish. But we are moving into a dynamic, a world where the truth is becoming abhorrent. And so I got blocked for 30 days. So I finally, uh, my executive administrator, Ears Burrell, said, Michael, now's the time. You need to use this time. The holidays are here. Uh, you need to focus on the website. And I completely agree because there's going to come a time when social media you're not going to be able to say anything, especially, I don't want to get off on a tangent, this is very important, Obama signed by executive order the U.S. Internet over to the United Nations. Did you know this, Jay? Obama signed by executive order control of the Internet, monitoring of the Internet, over to the United Nations. Now, with that being said, the United Nations, several years ago, passed a law stating that it makes it illegal to offend the Islamic religion. And we laughed about it. We sat in Washington, D.C. in my office and laughed about it. Like, ha ha, how's that going to affect us? What are these people, stupid? Now imagine that. Those two coordinating. And it makes for a very... Uh, it makes for a scenario of limitation of free speech. So with that being said, thank you. We're, gonna, we're working on the website. Uh, Facebook has banned us. we got an alternative Facebook page with my name on it. There's no disguises. Uh, no cover-ups. It's got Michael Gano, and uh, we're going to post things from there. 
So thank you for everyone that is involved with the social media. You are truly a part of Insight to Israel. Also want to say, uh, a, I leave this for last because, because it's not last. Thank you to Americans who are participators and not spectators in showing their love and support and prayers for the Israeli soldiers that defend freedom every day. Thank you for giving to Chocolates for Heroes. Listen, folks, we're on the holidays right now. I want to do a... St I know it's it's too late for Rosh Hashanah, but we're going to run a special, which I'll put out there in the social media, uh, for those who want to give to Chocolates for Heroes. I think Hanukkah is a perfect, uh, a perfect time of year. Not Christmas, Hanukkah. Christmas is pagan. Let me set that straight, the record straight historically, with all of the Christians. Christmas is pagan, started by the pagan Catholic Church. Aside from that, there goes my rating. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's not pagan, Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. We'll get there. Because God's calendar is the accurate time that mankind should be following. With that being said, uh, moving forward, thank you to everyone who gives to Chocolates for Heroes. And uh, I want to say thank you to our unofficial, unofficial rabbi for Insight to Israel. Wow, Jay and I, Jay Schultz. I think it's three unofficials. Three, is it three unofficials? I'm, triple, I'm triply unofficial. Okay. Well, we're a long way from being official, for sure. You just took us, that's like a third cousin. You know, in West Virginia, we can, we don't marry our first or second cousin. It's third cousin, okay. A little more legitimacy. <laughs> as long as you, you said it, not me. So, Jay, I want to say thank you for being on the on Inside Digital again. Oh, it's my again. pleasure. My pleasure. Again, and... I, uh, I love speaking to America, man. You know, I love it. And, look, man, we were talking off off air. I want to say I enjoy, man, our our, our, uh, our talks about Torah. You know, because as a seminary student, uh, someone who has a degree in theological studies, uh, and you're a very well-versed man in Torah, it's interesting to, to see a Christian and a Jewish perspective. Yeah. And well, listen, I, I, you know, I, told, I told you that the word Israel itself, you know, Yisrael, Israel, that, that's that's a name that was given to, to Jacob, Yaakov, only after he struggled with the angel. And the word itself means to struggle with God. Yisrael, Israel, means struggle with God. And the essence of a Jew we're, 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 is not just to struggle with God. We're actually commanded to struggle with God. Now, now you can struggle with God... With the right intention or the wrong intention, right? We're supposed to do with the right intention, right? You don't, you know, it's, it's like you don't just raise your hand and mess with teacher from the back of the classroom just to, just to trip her up and be a clown, right? No, you ask hard questions because you really want to get to the truth because you respect the teacher and you respect the knowledge, you respect the truth, and through the struggle of asking hard questions and engaging in it, do we as Jews believe we become closer to God and God knows that and He commanded us, He blessed us to be the ones who struggle with God, and so. Only when you open up the Word of God, that's the Bible, that's the Torah, and and you read the words. By the way, I recommend looking at the original. You know, King James may have been a nice guy, may have been a bad guy, I don't know, but his translation means nothing to me. i got to look at the original and really see what was said and understand it for myself and not with any preconceived notions from either Western society other other sources. Wow. I, I, and, you know, it's, it's important to, un to understand and respect what everyone else says in the matter, but ultimately, it's you. It's you and the Father, you and God, you and God's worth, and that's important to struggle with independently as well. And so, uh, you know, I bless all of you. You don't have to be a Jew to do, to, to do that struggle. Amen. You know? and, and you know, the amazing thing is, Jay, I see two kinds of struggles 
when we struggle with God, and I'm glad you made that point because I was actually thinking it. It's one thing to, that struggle to fight against God, which is a mistake, a huge mistake, uh, and to fight against His Word, and a spirit that tries to draw all men unto Him, but on top of that, uh, as human beings, uh, in this struggle, our flesh, the life we live, is in direct conflict and the direction of the world is in direct conflict to the direction that God wants to take us. God, as He draws us close to Him with His Word, uh, wants to make our lives better, improve our lives. And that's a struggle that we have in a fight we have within ourselves. Now listen, you're God's your father, your father, your mother want, want you to better your life. You know, it's that, that's, that's not the disagreement. The disagreement is you know, how, to, how to get there. Right. And it's not easy. It's not also not supposed to be easy. But, uh, you know, God says, just have your eye on the prize. You know, if yeah, God doesn't tell you to be perfect. He tells you to try. Right. Strive. Strive for it. But, you know, to strive, you got to strive in the right direction. It's a fight. So, it's yeah. a fight, brother, for sure. Jay, so, listen, we have some amazing, which is, you know, you have the spring, and then you have the, the fall, uh, where we have all of these amazing, beautiful Jewish holidays. Oh, this is the big Jewish holiday the, season. The this is the big biggest ones, one. The biggest one's coming up. This, this, this year relates to the non-Jewish calendar. The month of October is virtually jam-packed only with Jewish holidays, so much so that the entire country of Israel knows this is no work month. I mean, literally the country shuts down effectively this year. Often it's the month of September. This year it's all of October. And, uh, whoa, whoa. It's intense. <laughs> now, we're starting off this Sunday, actually, when the radio show airs. This Sunday. It's coming Sunday at evening. sundown. It begins. Yeah. The start of Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah, exactly. It's, it's, the, it's the first of this long line of uh, intense Jewish holidays. It's so intense. In Hebrew, I'm going to give you the English translation, we actually call it the Days of Awe. Yomim Noraim, these intense holidays. And uh, it, it consumes our, our lives, it consumes our souls, it consumes our mind. We actually spend a month in advance of Rosh Hashanah uh, preparing for it with, with prayers and penance and different traditions that Jews do. But uh, let's start with the basics. You know, not everyone knows. The, well, the, let me say yeah. this before you get started. Tomorrow night, Thursday night, is the last night of prayers at the Hotel of Repentance, correct? Could you explain a little bit about that and then move into the holidays? Yeah, when, when, you know, before you can, from a Jewish perspective, before you can fully repent, you have to have self-reflection, right? You don't just walk into a, a little booth, say I'm sorry, and it actually changes your life. <laughs> Thank you, Catholic Church. <laughs> but from a Jewish perspective, it takes real work. It takes real elbow grease, physically and spiritually, and so... We spend an entire month, a lot of traditions are, starting at midnight every single night between, you know, starting a month before Rosh Hashanah, we do what's called Slichot, where we have self-reflection and prayers looking in, in inwards and seeing, you know, what do I got to fix? How was my year? What was good? What was bad? What do I need to uh, clean up so God can grant me another year of life, another year of good? Maybe, maybe even give me a little more good this year. Maybe a little more blessing this year. 
and uh, it's, it's 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 powerful. So specifically at the you guys say the Western Wall in Jerusalem, the Kotel, every single night except for Shabbat gets tens of thousands. Amazing. Tens of thousands of people from all over Israel coming to a single spot at midnight for these intense, intense prayers. It's, it's wild. Well, actually, we're going to go uh, besides Shimon Perez's funeral. Uh, actually, the viewing uh, will be tomorrow on Thursday at the... At, at the Knesset. At the Knesset. Yeah. Actually, I want, want to say to, just to the audience... Uh, late late last night, early this morning, uh, former Israeli Prime Minister, former President, one of the early founders of the State of Israel, Shimon Peres, passed away. Uh, it is a great loss. It's a great loss to Israel, the Jewish people, the world. Israel is a little darker today. We are in, mor- in mourning. Um, like 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 all men, he had a he had a complicated life. But, but it's important to, to respect and pay for the tremendous good he did, and there's definitely tremendous good he did for the people. Absolutely. And he, he, gave, he gave Israel a, a, a great vision. He, 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 he always squeezed Israel to always be better and do better and look, look to the higher, more positive future and was really a great spokesman for Israel and the Jewish people to the world. So I just want to, you know, may, may his soul have, have the highest... We say Aliyah, the highest elevation in in, in heaven, and uh, it's a great loss. Yeah. So, well, we're we're thankful for uh, we're thankful for good leadership. It's hard to come by today. And uh, I was actually doing some reading about his life, and a lot of the stuff he did in the '60s and '70s for Israel. At the time, the world didn't know about, but. Uh, Everyone really credits him with Israel's alleged nuclear program. Yeah, amazing. Uh, it, was, it was really on, on his back. And just like like all the, the founding fathers of anything, you know, George Washington wasn't a perfect guy. Right. You know, and, you know, these are these are men. These right. aren't gods. These aren't angels. Right. For sure. These are these are these are men, and men can do great things. And he specifically did great things for Israel and the Jewish people. Amen. Um, and and through it all, it's, it's important to keep that in perspective. But boy, oh boy, is, Israel's Israel's nuclear dominance. Um, thank God, is a for lot it. is a lot. That is a lot. Thank, thank, thanks. Of course, that we thank God for. We thank God for everything. But you know, it takes man to to make it happen uh, in partnership with God. And, and Shimon Peres has a lot to do with that. Well, and and real quick on that subject. I actually watched a documentary last year about how your n- nuclear program came into being, even though nobody talks about it. It's not the, it's supposed to be non-existent. Uh, it does exist, and I'm thankful. I say, as an American and as a strong Zionist, someone who stands with this country, I am thankful that this country has codes. And uh, I am personally one of those people that endorses... Whatever the Jewish people need to do to survive against their enemies, even if it means spying on a corrupt U.S. government, I'm all about it, and I want more of it. Well, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not going to endorse that. Okay, I, that's no, inside no, Israel speaking. That's, that's inside Israel. Okay, back I, I on. Am, I am, I'm an invited guest in your house. This <laughs> ain't my house. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, okay. So, back on subject. Uh, so, 
we talked about the prayers of the Kotel Slichut, and now we move into, did I say that right? Slichot. Slichot, okay. Now we move into uh, the amazing holidays, Rosh Hashanah, which is the first to begin with. Rosh Hashanah, let's start there. Rosh Hashanah literally translates as the head of the year. It's... I, I don't like calling it the, the Jewish New Year because New Year in a non-Jewish context means something else. Right. Um, but for all intents and purposes for now, we'll, we'll say, yes, it, it is the Jewish New Year. It's the one of, by the way, the Jewish calendar actually has multiple beginnings. Um, we actually have a New Year for the trees. We have a New Year for the world. We have a New Year for, for a few different things. Um what is the Jewish New Year? What is Rosh Hashanah? Rosh Hashanah commemorates the creation of the soul of Adam and Eve. And from a Jewish calendar's perspective, we're about to enter the year 5,000. Of Jubilee. 777. Wow. 5,777 years ago, God didn't create the universe. God didn't create the world. God didn't create the animals. God created something that is, according to the Bible, was in the image of God, is the soul of man. In Hebrew, we would say, neshama. There's many different levels of soul. There's many different types of soul. We have the soul of animals. But that's not the human soul. We have the soul of plants. That's not the human soul. The soul of man, the unique creation for Adam and Eve, was exactly that. And from a Jewish perspective, that's what was created 5,777 years ago. And that's what we're celebrating now with Rosh Hashanah. Wow. Now, Rosh Hashanah... Now, can I say this real quick? Yeah, yeah, go for it. I'm going to throw something in. Do you know that the fiscal year of the U.S. government ends on Rosh Hashanah? Is That's that amazing. Always or just this year? Oh, every year. The fiscal end. Now, the fiscal end for Americans ends, and this is the, when the government has to do their budget. It ends, their spending ends, and their budget is supposed to uh, ends on Rosh Hashanah, and it creates a new year for the, you're telling fe- me for the, the federal government. The, you're US telling me the federal, federal government's government. treasury is tagged to the Hebrew calendar? Yes. All right, well... Uh, I was shocked when I heard that. All right, well, we'll, we'll look into it. That, we'll it's amazing. It. How if it's true, it's amazing. We'll look into it. Okay. Well, let's let let's. let's talk, so Google in, in U.S. government end of fiscal year, and you'll find it being on the same date as Rosh Hashanah. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. So because we're talking about <laughs> all right, Michael. Because we're talking about the, the the new year for the soul, honoring. It's not like we're going to Times Square and just celebrating. Right. This isn't a uh, mm. jubilation holiday. It's actually a very serious holiday. We believe it is when God starts deciding everything for the coming year. That is, whether we're going to live or die, whether we're going to be rich or poor, whether we're going to be sick or healthy, where God opens up the book of life and inscribes our name or doesn't inscribe our name. And so this preparing and cleansing of ourselves as we enter the new year isn't a time to get drunk and and stare at a bulk falling down. Oh, no, no, sir. 
wow. This is... That was powerful. This is the new year where we renew our connection to our Father in Heaven. Where we renew our understanding that God created our soul, and it is our soul that is that unique gift, because it is that soul that is a piece of the infinite, the image of God. Wow. That allows us, and, and, and by the way, let, let's talk about that for a minute. What does it mean, the creation of a soul, from a godly perspective? What does that mean? Image of God doesn't mean God has your eyes, nose, lips, and mouth. No, no, no. It means that when God gave us a piece of that infinite, a piece talking, of the infinite, that's an amazing talking, way of putting it. He's speaking, not physically, but spiritually. And spiritually, what is the greatest spiritual gift God gave us in this creation of soul? The ability to choose moral right from moral wrong. The ability to discern moral right from moral wrong. Great word, discern. The, the, the ability to go against our physical, maybe natural instinct, unlike an animal, and be able to say, I am going to proactively pursue the good because I know that is the ultimate gift God could have given me. Wow. Choice, free will, morally. And that is what we not just honor with the creation of Adam and Eve, but it's what we thank God for, for ourselves. Because Jews, we're not really that sentimental. We're, it's, it's not the anniversary of what happened with Adam and Eve. It is both what happened to Adam and Eve, but because it's relevant for our lives. And really, that's what we're honoring. It's a very personal man and woman to God, father to child relationship. And you know what? Actually, one of the main prayers in this time of year is actually called in Hebrew, "Vinu Malkeinu." God, our King. But before He's our King, Avinu, He's our Father. And that is the best way that we are told to understand our relationship. Your parents, if it's a healthy relationship, only want good for you. Second, they're your master. Second, they're your king. First, love. And if your parents love you, they don't just want you, they don't just want to give you good. They want to raise you to choose good. Because then you become like them. Wow. Then you become a higher level, not just a child drooling, eating as many, as many jelly beans as you can stuff in your mouth. You become a discerning adult who chooses good from bad and then pursues that good unending. You know what, Jay, this, this just came to my mind. I am thankful more than anything that, because between, from man to man, it's hard for us to forgive each other for the wrongs that we do against each other. But I'm thankful that also God is forgiving when we ask. And uh, He's merciful. And all the times we mess up and do the wrong thing, yes, there's consequences to pay for that, but he still loves us and as, as, a, as his creation. And let me also add, we're here in Tel Aviv, so that's why you hear all this traffic, if you're picking up on it. <clears throat> let me also add that the beauty in, in the Jewish calendar and in Rosh Hashanah is like what you said. It's amazing when you take the Gregorian calendar, which is man's time. Uh, which is not God's calendar. These are the things we do on that on that New Year's Eve. There's no thought of God. It's about us and and getting drunk and 
doing crazy things and standing outside watching a ball drop. But I, I'm, I'm thankful that I see the beauty in Rosh Hashanah uh, and in God's timing for God's people. And what is God doing? He's not just He's not just saying Happy New Year. He's refreshing and reviving our soul. Wow. Which of course He does every every minute, every second. But it's where really your year is decided, and that's why we really spend this entire month beforehand preparing for it. Um, just talking about you know some more of the holiday. You know a lot of traditions uh, around the holidays. By the way, it's a two-day holiday. You should know. It's one of these few holidays in, in Judaism that is. Uh, that has expanded beyond uh, sundown to sundown. And nothing's open. Everything's shut down, like you said. It's amazing. Everything should be shut down. Uh, most everything we, is. We should, hope, we should hope that people honor it as much as possible. And, and, and most things do, do shut down for those days. But uh, you know, one, of the, one of the key symbols and uh, traditions around the holiday is the blowing of the shofar, the, uh, the ram's horn. It doesn't have to be a ram, by the way. It doesn't have to be a kosher animal. And uh, we, we get that. Why Why the ram's horn? Why the shofar? Why are we blowing in this animal horn? Because for us, it's reminiscent of exactly what we're honoring. How did God give the soul to Adam? He blew it in. It's amazing. The Bible is clear. The Torah is clear. Specific language. Remember, God is infinite. God's all-powerful. God could have... Hypothetic, uh, uh, in his way, snapped his fingers. He could have just blinked his eyes. He could have done anything. Could have just created Adam with the soul already. But no, Adam was created, and then the soul was blown in. The breath of life. The breath. The breath of the soul. And so we blow the shofar, which has many different uh, connotations. Specifically here, it's remembering the essence of the holiday. That there was a creation of the soul, the soul of Adam and Eve, which was the unique creation that started the entire direction of human history. And uh, that human history started in a great place. We know what happened uh, with Adam and Eve a little bit later. And all of human history is trying to rectify from that, from that really original sin to get back to the garden, but by earning it. And... Uh, that's what we're supposed to remember and tremble and fear in terms of respect and honor when, when we hear the shofar. That the shofar heralds the repentance of our soul if we choose it, fight for it, struggle for it, so we can be closer to our Father and our King in Heaven. That's amazing. Amazing, amazing. Wow. Okay, so we're going to move on after that uh, to the other holiday. How many more holidays? What is it, three? There's, there's, a, there, there's, a, there's a lot, but, but a few days after Rosh Hashanah, um, we have the closing. Remember, I told you Rosh Hashanah is the opening of the Book of Life. Well, then we come to Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is the final closing of that book. And that the days in between are even more introspective and important to focus on. What am I going to repent for? How am I going to better my life? I got to apologize to man. I got to apologize to God. I got to I got to get myself straight because I, I want a year not just of life, but of a vibrant, flourishing, positive life. And uh, on Yom Kippur, it's a one-day holiday. It's actually about a 25-hour holiday of complete fasting, where we why are we fasting? We're supposed to remove ourselves from the physical, act like angels, so we can really focus on the meaning of it all, which is the pure connection with God the purity of our infinite soul, which is really at one with our Creator, um, 
And so, uh, and Yom Kippur is really, and what are we doing for the majority of that time, that 25 hours? Hold that thought. Yeah. No, go yeah. ahead, go ahead. Go no, ahead. We're, 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 we're praying. We got we're in synagogue. One, we got one minute left. We're praying in synagogue. We're, we're connecting. It's, it's, it's an overwhelming, super intense day that's both solemn and beautiful at the same time. But now, we'll get more into it. When, when you sit during uh, Rosh Hashanah, when you're in the synagogue, are there specific scriptures that you refer to? Yeah, I mean, again, when, when you have hours in the evening and virtually a full day of time in synagogue, you're going through a lot of different scriptures. I'm not, by the way, I'm your unofficial, unofficial, unofficial <laughs> rabbi here. I'm not going to quote for you exactly which scriptures we're using. I can I can pull it up in our interim, okay. but, but, but we, we actually do have a specific prayer book called the Mafsor that is dedicated for the liturgy of, of both holidays. Wow, okay. Listen, we're going to come right back, and we're going to hit the rest. Folks, this is amazing, amazing stuff that everyone that listens should be actually doing research on. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel and Chocolate Trees. We'll be right back. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Leading the Way features the Bible-teaching ministry of Dr. Michael Youssef, the founding pastor of the Church of the Apostles in Atlanta. I hope that you'll make plans to join us each week when we're privileged to share two recent messages that I know will encourage you in your faith. You'll also learn more about the worldwide outreach of Leading the Way to more than 200 countries and in more than 20 different languages. So join us right here for Leading the Way. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Inscribed in it, we're not going to be inscribed in it. Are we going to have blessing and 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 wealth and health for the new year, or not, or at what level? It's a day of complete fasting. Most of the day, we're we're really in the synagogue, going through a whole long liturgy of different prayers. It starts uh, the evening, like all Jewish holidays, with the famous Kol Nidre prayer, where we. We, we kind of apologize, disavow all vows we've made throughout the year. So if we had any promises to man or God we haven't kept, we want to make sure that we're kind of annulling them so we haven't broken any of them by the time the book gets closed. Uh, and then at the end of these 24 hours is the famous prayer called Nihila, uh, that, 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 that ends this cycle and is that final, ultimate, you're the hungriest, you're the tiredest, you're, you're standing there in synagogue, standing for, for hours at that point, uh, and the, 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 the prayers get more intense. Living in Israel so long, I forget my English. <laughs> your, your, your focus on, on the meaning and the, and, and, and the uh, intent of, 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 of the, the, the repentance becomes more intense. And, uh, yeah. It's, it's a powerful holiday, and it's it's really many people understand it as the most. I hate I hate putting this in in in, in, in this in this way, but for most Jews, it's the most important day of the year. Most Jews who aren't very religious in the world, if they're going into a synagogue at all, it's on Yom Kippur. If they're doing anything at all ritualistically throughout the year. It's fasting on Yom Kippur. The majority of Jews that do something, this is when it's happening. I mean, I think, you know, most Jews in America that belong to a synagogue, you will not see them at all throughout the year, except this one day. There's synagogue parking lots, synagogues with thousands of chairs that are empty all year long. It's a shame, but it's the, it's the, it's the fact and the reality. 
for this. If they're showing up, this is when they're doing it. It's that important, it's that ingrained in the Jewish soul, in the Jewish thought. Uh, and uh, we take we take it, most of us, that seriously. Now, you know what's amazing, and this goes so wonderfully with what you're saying, because on Yom Kippur here, everything, everything, even the TV, everything is shut down. Oh, yeah. it's it, it, Again, you know, Israel is a secular state, but when it comes to things like Yom Kippur, it becomes pretty darn, darn Jewish, so much so that every single city, every single village, every single kibbutz shuts down. Not a single car, except for serious emergency security vehicles, are allowed on the streets. For many Israelis, it's also known as the bicycle holiday for the kids. <laughs> because, think, think how surreal it is. Imagine Times Square Amazing. for an entire day devoid of a single car on the road. You can allow your children to be on the roller skates, skateboards, and bicycles taking over the streets and highways, by the way. It is purely surreal. Now, I don't advocate it. A religious Jew wouldn't be doing that. But meaning... <laughs> It really, it, it really gives the city. I mean, we're in Tel Aviv, a very quote-unquote secular city for, for Israel. Completely changes. It is a gorgeous 180-degree flip on the city. It becomes very peaceful, very serene. You really have this feeling of solemn beauty and connection to something higher than the physical. And can I add too? This is very exciting because I was actually speaking with my mother last night. And sharing with her because she's been here and now she understands so much more. Uh, but I told her, I said, Mom, this is the only country in the world, the only country, that on this day, holiday, however you want to see it, even the international airport shuts down. The international airport of this country, which runs 24-7, 364, even the airport, no flights going in or out, is shut down during Yom Kippur. That's how amazing it is. To think that an entire country, a major metropolitan city, uh, among others, here in this country, everything is shut down. Brother, you couldn't get that anywhere in the U.S. By the way, you're, you're right, but I do want to add, and I know, Michael, you'll appreciate this, so as your listeners, what doesn't shut down is our boys and girls in the IDF defending our country. Wow. Because when it comes to protecting life, that is paramount. That comes before any connection to God. We have a God of life and love who says, more important than connecting to me is protecting you, is, 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 is protecting your babies, protecting your grandparents, is protecting your brothers and sisters. And our IDF, they're on the front lines making sure that we can sit here safely in Tel Aviv, calmly in synagogue, connecting to God wow. because of their sacrifice, Amen. because of their duty, and we honor them right here, right now. And thank God, your enemies who tried to take advantage of your 1973, time. 1973, the Yom Kippur War, our enemies thought, you know, they, they, they knew that the Jews are, uh, you know, kind of taking, taking half a day off uh, on Yom Kippur, and they, they, they tried attacking us, by the way. Unfortunately, we were caught off guard. 
uh, we, we, there's a lot to criticize at that point. We've definitely learned our lesson. That being said, there was a miracle that even though we were a little bit caught off guard, because Yom Kippur is such an important holiday, that if a Jew is anywhere, that's the one day every Jew is going to be in some synagogue, mm-hmm. it happened to be very easy to rally the troops and reserve forces, because all you had to do was have one guy run to every synagogue in the country and say, boys... Get to work, go to the front lines. Imagine that happened. We're spread out. It'd be much harder to rally the troops, and it could have been a very different outcome of the Yom Kippur War. So, so God is still God is still giving us the blessing, even when our enemies try to catch us off guard. Now, let me add. This is an amazing thing that a lot of people don't. I can I can guarantee there's a lot of people in the United States that don't know this. But when you build your cities and towns and your small villages, the synagogue is the center of those cities and towns and small villages. It gives easy access. They built the town so that all the avenues would have easy access. The neighborhoods would have easy access to the synagogue. It's often, it's often that way, for sure. That's amazing. Uh, wow. Amazing stuff. Jay, let me ask you. During this Yom Kippur, just like I asked previously, and I don't know if we covered this enough, Paul, there's so much background noise, it's kind of a distraction. During Yom Kippur, are there specific scriptures that you read? Because, let me say, I want to, I want to, even the secular, I have been outside the synagogues during Yom Kippur, and even those who don't feel like they're religious enough, or close to God enough, they still stand outside. I've seen them in masses standing outside the synagogues listening to the prayers of the rabbis. And to me, uh, I think one of the things, one of the other things that preserves your country is that even those who struggle with their belief, uh, there's still that honor in wanting to hear the prayers to God for the country. Yeah, as I said, you know, we, we start that, that that evening before with the, the famous Kol Nidre prayers where we we disavow our vows. Um, and and it's, 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 there are famous tunes to it. It's, it's a very solemn, beautiful, poetic prayer, uh, very intense. That uh, I know our our synagogue here in Tel Aviv, there's there's not a chair in sight. You, there are people that literally can't fit in, and they're putting their ears to the windows wow. to hear to hear the rabbi and the uh, the cantor, the 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 guy singing the prayers uh, to, to hear what's going on. So yeah, I mean of course it has its own unique liturgy that has its own book for that one day a year called the Machsor. Um, I can't tell the exact scripture that we're saying. Okay. But, uh, you know. There's a guy that's saying, that's sharing. Did they pick him because he has a good voice? Yeah, so you know, there's different traditions on this. There's some people that like the very operatic, we so cantoral, in Hebrew, chazin voice, kind of like drags on every word, every syllable, very operatic. Personally, it's not my style. I like more the down and dirty, get to it. Straight not, reading. Not straight reading, knock it out kind of. Yeah, that's a personal preference. These aren't uh, mandated laws, but it definitely should be someone that has a good voice, a powerful voice, definitely knows what they're doing far more than me. Uh, I, don't, I don't got a beautiful voice, by the way. I'm not... <laughs> 
no one's no one's crying and I've lifted to God because they hear me sing. That's for that's for sure. Okay, so the touch just the, just in the in the wrong direction. Amen. So uh, okay, so after Yom Kippur, then we have. So yeah, so after, after Yom Kippur, oh by the way, so just some other interesting things at Yom Kippur. Uh, biblically, in the, in the time of the temple, that was the one day a year where the high priest, the Komen Gadol, could actually enter the Holy of Holies inside the temple. Wow! Um, and and see see the Ark, see the Ark of the Covenant. Um, it was at one time a year that that one man was allowed to do it. Um, it's also a time of year. Remember, atonement and uh, the idea of the sins of the Jewish people being decided upon and wiped out and cleansed. That's when we had the idea of the scapegoat. You, you've heard that term? Yes. We would, t- we, we would act- literally take two goats, one, I think, to sacrifice in, in the temple and one that would symbolically carry the sin we, of the Jewish people. We'd tie a red ribbon to and it would run out into the desert and die, die off a cliff. Powerful, intense stuff. But yeah, that's, that's wow. Very, look, a, a lot of people, unless you specifically study, number one, uh, the structure of the temple, what all of the, uh, the different uh, things, uh, I say things, the different uh, artifacts, I don't want to say artifacts, because that, that refers to as old, but uh, the different instruments used in the temple, and, and the, the, the fact that you take this goat or this sheep, and you know the priest, the high priest lays his hand on it and sends it off into the wilderness, which means the sins are no more on the people. Is amazing when you really study the details of it. And I want to encourage people: listen, you need to study this stuff because it even applies. There's so many aspects that we can apply to our own lives. Uh, By the way, can, can I, just to highlight to our uh, American listeners out there. Yom, Yom, Yom Kippur, as I said, is the number one most observed, if anything observed by the most secular Jews, it's going to be this. And just to highlight that, um, there are some famous stories of Jewish athletes taking this day, oh. taking Yom Kippur so seriously. I'm just going to give a few examples. I'm going to bring them up here. Okay. So... The, the, the most famous story about Yom Kippur in Jewish hat, Sandy Koufax, pitcher for the Do- the, the, the L.A. Dodgers, sat out a World Series game, game one, to honor Yom Kippur. Wow! And it was it was it was a it was a national story. It was a national story and point of pride for the Jewish people. That Sandy Koufax did that. Hall of Fame first baseman Hank Greenberg, in 1934, did the same thing during a pennant race. Uh, Sean Green, another Dodger in 2001, sat sat out his 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 415 game streak uh, during a playoff during the playoffs because of Yom Kippur. This is intense. This shows that even a secular Jewish athlete playing at the highest level of sports, the highest level of sports, gonna say nope, Yom Kippur. Now I represent God and the Jewish people. Wow, I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm taking this I'm taking this one out. That's amazing. Powerful. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Okay, so I got five percent battery left, brother. I hope we can make it through this. So moving forward. Listen, move, moving forward. The month of October, the month of intense Jewish holidays, continues. And the next major holiday is called Sukkot. 
Which is a great one. I love it. Feast of the Tabernacles. It's it's a real holiday of joy. You know, I guess at Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, a little more solemn, a little more intense. Uh, Sukkot is is uh, is a real celebratory celebratory holiday. Again, you guys will call it Feast of the Tabernacles. Um, it, it alludes to the uh, the tabernacles, the 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 huts and the, the Jews, the Israelites built in the desert during, during the forty years of wandering. It's one of the three, uh, what we say in Hebrew, Shalosh Regalim, three pilgrimage holidays where every Jew had to come from wherever they were living to Jerusalem, to the temple, uh, bring, bring their gifts. It's the time of year of, of, uh, of harvesting. And from a Jewish perspective, it's incredible. At the time of our heart, of our main harvest, when we've gone into the field where we have the most wealth, remember, Thousands of years ago, the harvest was our wealth. That's where, when we had our grain, when we had our, when we had our fruits, when we, when we, we had our, our, our dates and, and olives. That is when God said, "Now leave your home, leave your stores of food and grain, go out of your home, leave your village, go to Jerusalem, leave. Stop. Don't defend your home. Don't defend the borders. Live in a simple temporary hut." And honor me, honor, honor me at the Holy Temple. Wow. That is God showing us at the height of our potential material, physical blessing. Wow. God says, put it in perspective. The real truth is spirituality. The real truth is your connection to me. I'm going to protect your home. I'm going to protect your borders. When you come to Jerusalem and honor me in this temporary, spiritual, you know, in the, in the spiritual way with only temporary physicality, that is when you're going to understand the real meaning of life. There are so many rules and laws in Judaism about how to build a sukkah. One of the main, most beautiful ones is the roof. You got to be able to see the stars. Wow! You got to see the stars. You, your roof has to be so temporary, so uh, unpermanent that it's got to have so many holes in it that the roof you're protecting your family from. For by the way, it's a week-long holiday. Leave your village. You leave that $10 million unprotected in your village. You don't even protect the border of your country. Remember, Israel didn't exactly have the best neighbors, the friendliest neighbors. It didn't then, it doesn't now. And just come. Just come hang out with me, man. Just hung out, come hang out with the rest of the Jewish people and their Father God. Miles away from your home, in Jerusalem, with your family. You just have a week-long party. Have a week-long party. Wow. Because that $10 million, that came from God, not from you. Amen. You don't need to protect it. If God wants you to have it, it's there. If he doesn't want you to have it, it won't be there. <laughs> God, you don't protect your borders. God protects your borders. Right. Three times a year, he says, come do this. And Sukkot is incredibly timed just after the harvest. That is when you need to say, what's the real purpose of life? Not the physical, but the spiritual. Not your, not your connection to money, but your connection to God. And we go, we build huts, we build temporary huts out of uh, out of the, 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 the leftovers from the field, out of literally fallen branches. Yeah, I see. I see that a lot of the a lot of people are going around like the fallen palm palm branches. We, you can use palm branches, which obviously is common here in the Middle East. You know, the, 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 the date palm doesn't have to be. A lot of people use bamboo. You know, there's no bamboo native to Israel, but we use, you know, anything that has to be organic, huts, 
that we live in, remember, could rain, could get too hot. Yeah, because we're in that time Sometime, of year. Sometimes, sometimes it does. But you know what? It's also called our holiday of joy. There's some other weird stuff going on with Sukkot. It's an amazing holiday. I love it. So much cool stuff. Unlike we said, Rosh Hashanah is a real. The symbol is the shofar that, that the ram's horn typically on Sukkot. We take a fruit, a piece of citrus called an etrog. We take three other plants, uh, uh, a willow, a willow branch, a, a date, a date palm branch, um, and a myrtle branch, and we we're supposed to hold them all together and shake them during prayers. It's kind of like a, a plant lightsaber. It's absolutely nuts. It's absolutely from an outside a totally, uh, a totally wild thing to behold. But God says, what's important is is spirituality and your relationship with me and your relationship with each other, not the physical. Now, is there is there something that each one of these uh, the palm branch, the myrtle, what is, is there something yeah, that represents these four these four species of, of plant? Uh, when we hold them together, do have many representations. A lot of discussions of what they represent. There's a lot of spiritual understanding behind them. Um, one, one of these understandings is getting a little deep here for your audience, but one of the other uh, pilgrimages is called Passover, and and we have a famous song and a Passover seder, famous prayer, talking about the four sons, these four sons in Judaism. We got the the wise son, the wicked son, the simple son, and the one that doesn't know how to ask. And yet these are all members of the family. They're not they're not individuals. They're all parts of ourselves. Each one of us inside of us has some wicked, has some has some wise, has some simple, has some completely clueless. And and the ultimate goal of not just yourself, but but the Jewish people is to combine all these disparate pieces and hold them together and hold them before God and say, you know, I'm a complicated person who is imperfect. But when I bring the imperfections of society and myself together for a purpose under God, that that's when good happens. And so, yes, each of these plants, four plant species, represents different aspects of our soul, different aspects of, uh, of our people, and uh, gathering them and, and using them for holy purpose definitely has a tremendous meaning. I, I, I really can't get into all of it here, but, you know, it's, it's even above my pay grade to understand it all. But, uh, you know, another piece, we, we actually shake them, we're supposed to shake them during the prayer service in four directions, uh, front, back, up, down, and, and it's about understanding that we're taking these four parts of ourselves and, you know, God is everywhere. And we're connecting it in, in, in that direction, which is every direction. Wow. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's 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 a lot going on. It's a lot going on. We're supposed to we're supposed to have every meal ideally in in, in the sukkah. We're supposed to have. Um, and it's amazing how elaborate some of those. Supposed to sleep in them. We're supposed to sleep in them. By the way, ideally, supposed to sleep in your sukkah. Um, we're supposed to have host guests. It's it's a day that that it's it's a day that you know. Every, as I said every night, every day we're supposed to be eating in the sukkah ideally, and each meal we're supposed to invite guests. It's a, it's a real fun. You know, people called the sukkah hop. 
Because imagine you go to a little place like Jerusalem, and you know, for every family, they have their own little hut. You can imagine how crazy that gets. Yeah. You know, they're really intense. I saw a sukkah that was on scaffolding. The some of the Haredi had put floorboards down, and it was huge. It actually sat on top of scaffolding like a concert. You know, the stuff you use at the concert. Yeah, sure. They put the stage on. It was very high up, and they made a big sukkah on top. And the wow, well, it, was it, was prob- it was probably high up, so it could be connected to their apartment. No, That's, no, this was. Oh, not even. No, it was. It was one big shoot where there were people just flocking to it, and the singing that was coming from there. I actually. Yeah, it's a lot, a lot of late night singing, eating, drinking. It's uh, it's great. But you know, by the way, it's it's so. Building a sukkah, having it connected to your home, because often you're, you're supposed to eat and sleep in it, so you want it to be near your kitchen, near your family. If you're sleeping in, the father's sleeping there, you don't want to be far away from the kids. So what, what, what a lot of people will do is build it on their balcony. Are you going to put one on your balcony? Well, I'll, so, so I'll, I'll get there in a okay. minute, but right. in religious neighborhoods in Israel... They specifically build homes with balconies that are of appropriate technical, legal, Jewish legal size to be able to have a sukkah. So much so that often in a real estate advertisement, it'll say a sukkah balcony. <laughs> because a sukkah, as I said, there's lots of walls to it. It's got to be a certain width and length. It's got to be a certain height. Wow. And it can't have any above obstructions. Remember when I said that the, the sukkah has to be open to the heavens, you can't have a balcony above you. So in a lot of religious apartment buildings, you'll see staggered, Staggered. That's why you'll see staggered balconies, so everyone can have the balconies in a different place on the can, front of the exactly, building. Exactly, they can have a kosher sukkah, so each one can see the heavens. You're not allowed to even build. Let's say you're building a sukkah on, on in your backyard. You can't build it under a tree. You got to build it in the so you can see the open sky. Wow, it's cool, man. We we take these things seriously. That's amazing. And I, I always ask. I, I, I you can't even imagine how many times I ask, why are the balconies the way that they are. Why, like, why are they so spread apart between each other? You just gave... That's amazing. I've been here four years and no one's ever given me that answer till now. That's amazing. If, you, if you're a religious Jewish family, you are not going to buy an apartment that doesn't either have a kosher sukkah balcony or you have access to the roof or you have a yard to be able to build a sukkah. And you actually have access. Like, there's nothing above your apartment. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm good. I'm good. I actually also have a backyard. Rare thing in Tel Aviv. Right. But, uh, you know, you go to a place like Jerusalem where, where most people are, are, are religiously observant um, and everyone's building a sukkah, it becomes this great social 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 day and night where you're sukkah hopping. You know, you go visit friends and family. Wow. You're going sukkah to sukkah. You peek, you peek in your neighbor's sukkah, say hi, see what's going on. Someone will actually invite you in. You end up, you know, meeting people you've never met before. It's a, it's a really fun Fun, cool, cool holiday. Yeah, I get invited to a lot of places, especially in Roshan. Yeah. To where all the Yemen are. Yeah. A lot of them are there. I get invited to a lot of uh, homes in Roshan. By the way, you remember I talked about one of the four species is called an etrog. It's a piece of citrus. It's a unique citrus fruit. Well, there's different spe- subspecies of etrog itself. Uh, specifically, the ones from Yemen often grow, can grow, to larger than the size of your head. Wow. Typically, an etrog is a... Uh, 
a little bigger than a lemon, small than a grapefruit, typically. They're a little, little elongated, but, but a, lot, a lot, lot of the Yemenite etrogs can, can grow the size of watermelons. And uh, you, you'll always see, always see every year, one guy with two guys at the hotel in Jerusalem, you know, during the prayer service, showing off, peacocking with their melon-sized etrog, gets, uh, gets out of hand. But you know what, again, if you're doing it for the right reasons, if you're doing it in the service of God, it's not for, it's not for your honor, it's for his, right. um, it's the way to go. By the way, an etrog... Why we're using an etrog? From a Jewish perspective, one of the possible uh, uh, fruits that that caused the sin uh, with Adam and Eve was an etrog. It's for, from a Jewish perspective for, oh, sure, wow. it's for sure not an apple. It, it, for sure. It, for sure not from a Jewish perspective. And what, what, one of the beliefs is that it could have been an etrog. Etrog is an amazing fruit, by the way. Uh, it's not the tastiest to eat when it's fresh, but it has incredible smell. It's one of the only. Uh, organic fruit products that that never really uh, goes bad. Oh, wow. Never rots. If you let an orange, a grapefruit, a lemon, a tomato, whatever it may be, just sit on, on your on your table for a month, it'll get moldy and rotty. Right. And that's real wrong. It'll, it'll look perfect for about a month and a half, two months, like completely ripe fruit. And then slowly, slowly, the next couple months, just get smaller and dry out. And it ends up having this gorgeous smell for years afterwards. Wow. But it never rots. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a real special, unique fruit. And so sometimes after, after the holiday... A lot of people, some, some will make jam out of it, or they'll, they'll use it as a, as a, at, at the end of Shabbat, we have to smell, uh, we, have, we have a prayer on, on smelling the, the, the spices, and we'll use that throughout the year to smell. Um, other interesting things about the etrog, there is there are some Jewish laws about what etrog you can find, but an etrog is like a snowflake in a fingerprint. Each, each piece of fruit is so unique. That that the uh, the main one of the main laws of, of finding it, of choosing one, is you have to find one that's beautiful for you. And so some like the yellow ones, the green ones, the wrinkly ones, the, the elongated ones, the ones that are shaped like a bell, the ones that are shaped like a like a lemon, the what is really cool. And so you'll go, you know, some guys spend days with magnifying glasses. I'm telling you the truth here, guys. We'll take a magnifying glass and spend days in these etrogue markets that are the size of football fields examining every single piece of etrog citrus fruit to find one that is perfect and the most beautiful in their eyes and some guys will spend literally hundreds if not thousands of dollars on the perfect fruit wow it's, that's crazy it's 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 amazing it's amazing that someone will take that much intensity and put that much beauty and focus into honoring the word of God and connecting to God. Amen. Jay, I want to say thank you. Wow, that was great stuff. Thank you for being on Insight to Israel. My, my pleasure as always. Man. And uh, folks, listen, we got we're gonna come back again for some Torah and talk about that amazing time. A time that I love personally because of the respect to honor the beauty of God's word given to the Jewish people. So, this is Michael Gannett with Insight Israel and Chocolates for Heroes. God bless the patriot conservatives who stand for the Judeo-Christian-founded Constitution and Bill of Rights. God bless Israel in her fight for sovereignty and security. Amen. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. 
Thank you for listening.